Well, thank you, Wayne. Find, please, in your copy of Scripture, the book of Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 20. I also invite you to find in your bulletins on the uh, page opposite the uh, order of worship, or really at the bottom of the order of worship, there's a section called Sermon Notes, and I'm not going to read that yet, but I invite you to find that and um, look with me at that in just a few minutes. I do hope you'll be here to, at five uh, to, to celebrate and support uh, the Aeolians. Lots of musical groups around the city are coming together. And then I hope you'll be here next Sunday night at uh, 4.30, well, actually afternoon, I guess, at 4.30 to 6 in our Life Center. We're having Heart of the City night. Uh, Tanita Phipps, who's the, the head of uh, DHR, uh, Department of Human Resources for the city of Huntsville, and Dennis Madsen, who is in the Office of City Planning, is going to be here, and we're going to talk with them. Uh, Ken Meadham is going to be here with us next week, and he'll be singing that night, too. And uh, it'll be a big heart of the city night at uh, 4.30 next Sunday, 5 o'clock today. Uh, Numbers 20, and uh, we begin reading at uh, verse 1. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community in this wilderness, that we and our livestock, livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place, forgetting, of course, that they had been enslaved in Egypt? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grains or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as God had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you knuckleheads, uh, you rebels, uh, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Now, remember, uh, of course, God had said, talk to the rock, but he struck the rock twice. Water did gush out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the promised land, the land I will give them. We're talking these days uh, about disappointment. This is, this is the second in our series about disappointment. We're talking about disappointment because there's not a person here who cannot identify with the idea of disappointment. We're all members uh, of the disappointment club. 
And for some of us, the initiation into the disappointment club was traumatic, brutal. Sometimes uh, our disappointment is a result of our own choices, our own behaviors, our own decisions. Now, not always, of course. Hope told us the, the story of deep disappointment that had nothing to do with their choices and decisions. Sometimes disappointment is deep and dark and just a result of the fact that life is sometimes terribly hard. But there are times when our disappointment is a result of our own, our own choices. That's when we play the tapes of, I wish I had, or I wish I had not, or I coulda, or I shoulda, or I can't believe I, or what if I had done this, or if only I had not done that. There's a lot to learn in the story of Moses about disappointment, including those of us whose disappointment is of our own uh, makings. We read this morning about the story of the rock, but that was not uh, Moses' first impulsive mistake. Years earlier, he struck not a rock, but an Egyptian, and the Egyptian died. And so Moses, who was living a life of privilege in Egypt, had to flee, and he fled to Midian. Now, Midian, Midian is in, was in the southeastern uh, Sinai. It was a dust bowl of a place, and nobody ever went to Midian because you wanted to go to Midian. No child growing up in Egypt said, I'll work hard, and then I'll get to Midian. Midian was the land of regrets and broken dreams. Midian was the land of disappointment. We have on our website what we call Marketplace. It's like an online store. You can buy FBC, First Baptist Church stuff there. You can buy caps, and you can buy umbrellas, and mugs with FBC logos, uh, logo on it. I think maybe we ought to sell T-shirts uh, that on the front read Midian with an asterisk. So it says Midian on the front, and then on the back there's another asterisk that says uh, Midian is where I end up when I do things that are stupid. Because we and we all could, we all could get a T-shirt, couldn't we? So so Moses' first impulsive act was to strike the Egyptian, and he had he ended up. And Midian, his second impulsive act, probably more, but his second recorded impulsive, second recorded impulsive act is when he struck uh, the rock. And God said, since you struck the rock, you cannot go into the promised land. Now, that seems a little unfair, does it not? It seems, you know, after all that Moses had done, the showdowns with Pharaoh, the the parting of the Red Sea, the Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments, leading these, these people who are always complaining. After all Moses had done, it seems a bit unfair that after one act, just striking the rock, that he would not get to go into the promised land. Well, first of all, I'm not CEO of the universe, and so it's not my job to question the one who is. Furthermore, there may have been more going on than just punishment. As some have suggested, maybe Moses uh, had just run out of empathy and energy. You know, Moses had been, he'd been leading for a long time. He'd been bearing the burden for, the, for a long time, and he had just had it up to here. And so he gets mad and he strikes the rock, and maybe in that act, it becomes obvious to everybody, including God and Moses, that, you know, Moses, you've done a really good job. And you've worked really hard, and you've borne the burden for a long time, but you're jaded, 
and you don't have any emotional margin left. And so I'm going to let somebody else take them into the promised land, maybe. You know, sometimes an organization needs a certain skill set from its leaders for this chapter, but another skill set from its leaders for, for the next chapter. Sometimes even the founding leader it does not have the skill set to take the organization or the movement to the proverbial next level. And so maybe God just said, you know, we need a general, uh, not a prophet for the next move, the next chapter of Israel's history. So maybe there's more going on than punishment. But however it happened and why ever it happened, the amazing part of the story to me is that Moses was not disheartened uh, by this. In fact, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 3, which is later on in the story, after he has found out he's not going to get to the, go to the promised land, Moses declares, what God is there in God with a little g, is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? He's still worshiping. He's still a fan of God. Deuteronomy 34 describes the scene on Mount Nebo. He's standing on that mountain, which is on the, the eastern ridge of the Jordan Valley. It's over there in what now is the country of Jordan. And he's looking over into the Jordan Valley, and he sees the land promised to Abraham, that fertile land, that fertile valley then with the Jordan River running through it that God had promised to Abraham. And, and he had to be disappointed, but his heart was full and... <laughs> And despite his disappointment, he's undaunted, he's, he's unwavering, he doesn't complain, he doesn't falter. How is that possible to get just to the edge of, of everything you've been working for and then be told, this is as far as it goes? Well, remember, I said that there are several lessons from the story of Moses for, about disappointment. And, and this, is, um, this is a lesson today about what we do when disappointment is, is our own making, when it's our own choice, when we end up in Midian because of, of our behaviors. Let's look at four things real quickly. Number one, Moses did not think it was all about him. Moses did not think it was all about him. Moses showed no sign of resentment or bitterness, no pouting, no sulking. And I believe it's because of the way God, uh, God, is, God describes Moses in Numbers 12, 3, which reads, Now Moses was a humble man more so than any other on earth. Now that doesn't mean he wasn't disappointed. It just means he knew that it wasn't all about him, this exodus, this this movement out of slavery in Egypt and the decades that passed as they wandered and then to get to the verge of the promised land, he knew that this is about the purposes of God and the plans of God and the people of God. He knew it wasn't about, it wasn't about Moses. On April the 3rd, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King stood before a large audience just up the road in Memphis and he said, we've got some difficult days ahead but it really doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Within 24 hours, he was standing on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel when he was fatally shot. But he died knowing that the civil rights movement was not about him. It was not about his ego. It was about the 
purposes of God and the plans of God and the people of God. Moses knew that the Exodus was not, that God didn't bring the children of Israel out of Egypt just so that Moses could feel good about himself. Moses knew this wasn't about him. So maybe it'll help you and me when we experience disappointment to remember it ain't about us. So if I don't get the place on the team that I, I wanted to get, whether that's a sports team or a music team or a, a corporate team, maybe it will help to remember, you know, they, this world does not exist for my ego, for my pleasure, for my enjoyment. And maybe if God doesn't bless me with that job that, that will enable me to get the car I want and the house I want and the boat I want, maybe we could remember that as good as God is, with all he has going on, making sure my ego is in good shape is not one of his top priorities. Maybe one of the reasons Moses didn't falter, maybe one of the reasons he stood there on Mount Nebo and looked over there with his heart uh, full and his head high, uh, maybe it's because he, he, he was a humble man. The Bible says he, died, he was 120 years old when he died, uh, but when he died, he was not weak, he was strong, he, because he, he didn't falter when he was disappointed. He knew it wasn't about, it wasn't all about him. Second, Moses got a new plan. Sometimes you just got to get a new plan. So Moses' plan was to take the people of Israel into uh, the promised land. But that would not happen. So now he came, comes up with a new plan, and that is to get them to, if not into. Sometimes you just got to get a new plan. I know what's that, what that's like. I remember back being in the interim, I told you about my plans to play in the National Football League. That was when I was in the eighth grade, and uh, then when I was in the 10th grade, I was on the sidelines watching others play, and it dawned on me, I'm probably not going to play in the National Football League. Billy's heard me tell that I wanted to be a church musician and couldn't get through music theory at Samford. I'm a little embarrassed to tell you, but I had dreams once of being a performer. The folks from Opryland, back when Opryland was a theme park, so you remember that? They, they, came, they had the best shows of any theme park. They came through Birmingham, and they were auditioning people to be in their shows, young people. I was in college, I went, that morning you sang, everybody sang, and then if you passed that, you got a call back, and then they taught you a dance. So I did the singing part, and I got a call back, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And I went back, and they taught us, there were about 12 of us in the room, and they taught us a dance that lasted, I don't know, two minutes long. And after we did the dance, they thanked me for my interest, and that was, that was it. So I had to, had to change plans. And then Carrie and I wanted to be missionaries our entire lives. That was all we wanted. Our first date, she told me she was going to be a missionary. All we wanted to do was be missionaries in Nigeria until we retired. And then some of you have heard me tell my, about my dad's massive stroke that necessitated our staying back here to take care of my mom. And, and we had to get new plans. I tell you this so often, I hope you don't, I hope you believe me, I hope you never doubt my sincerity. I am living the dream. 
Carrie and I are happier. We are more at home. We love our life. We love you. But this was not my original dream. I had to get a new dream. Sometimes you just got to get a new dream. Moses recognizes, I'm not going to get into it, but I can get them to it. Lewis Everly was a Catholic priest who talked about sailing through life and wishing we were on another boat. But he said, you know, you can waste a lot of life wishing you you had another boat. Sometimes you got to either get a new boat or just enjoy the one you got. Moses uh, understood it wasn't about him, uh, and he was willing to get a new dream. Number three, Moses knew how blessed he was, and he was blessed. He would not get to... He would not get to go into the promised land. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, 7, Moses, I I told you a while ago, was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. He had a lot to be thankful for despite his disappointment. One of my favorite golfers is not a... um, a household name. His name is Kenny Perry. He, he, he lives right up the road just north of Nashville in Franklin, Kentucky. He's a devoted followers, follower of Jesus, a deacon in the Church of Christ in Franklin, Kentucky. Kenny Perry was on the tour, the professional golfers tour for a long time, never did win a major. But in 2008, there were two holes left in the Masters tournament, the most prestigious, I guess, golf tournament in the world. And he was ahead by two strokes. And um, all he had to do was par, which means what's expected of the last two holes. One commentator said he already has the green jacket. You know, that's what you win when you win the Masters. Said he already has the green jacket on one shoulder. But he didn't par the last two holes. He bogeyed, which means he was one over par. And Angel Cabrera, I watched it, caught him, and they tied. So then they went into play a playoff, sudden death playoff, and and he played terrible and he lost and he was 49 years old and nobody had ever. Jack Nicholas, last time he won the Masters, he was 46, and he and, and Kenny Perry's no Jack Nicholas, and nobody's ever won a major tournament as as old as 49, and and so he knew everybody knew he gotten that that close and blown his best and last opportunity to win a major. He's a deeply devoted follower of Jesus, but he was, you don't get over easily that kind of disappointment. But here's what he wrote. I got in my car around 5 a.m. and I just drove for about three hours, just drove out to the countryside, you know, being thankful for everything that's happened to me. I turn 50 next year. So I'm doing stuff probably most people shouldn't be doing. And he didn't mean he's doing bad stuff. He's mean I'm doing stuff that most people at age 50 don't get to do. I'm very thankful for it. My health is good. I'm hitting the ball 300-plus yards. I'm doing neat stuff. You and I probably are not going to hit a golf ball the length of three football fields. But, you know, we are blessed. And even if this morning you brought to this place the deep feeling of disappointment, you are blessed. Would you find, please, that uh, place in the bulletin that I pointed out to you earlier? I want to read to you, and I want you to follow along and keep this. 
something by Rabbi Harold Kushner? Because I think if you've been disappointed, and I know you will be, we all will be, this might be helpful. Rabbi Kushner wrote, if you have been brave enough to love, and sometimes you won, and sometimes you lost. If you have cared enough to try, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. If you have been bold enough to dream and found yourself with some dreams that came true and a lot of broken pieces of dreams that didn't, that fell to earth and shattered, then you can look back from the mountaintop you now find yourself standing on, and you, like Moses, can realize how full your life has been and how richly you are blessed. Even if you are disappointed, if you take time to look around the mountaintop where you stand, you'll see that, boy, there are a lot of good things going on in your life, and you are blessed. How did Moses, after such a terrible disappointment, not be pouting and how was he undeterred and undaunted? How? Well, he, he knew it wasn't about him, and he, he was willing to, to get a new dream, a new plan, and then he, he, he recognized how blessed he was. Finally, uh, Moses is not defined by a bad decision or two. This morning, we talked about Moses' two bad impulsive decisions, but you know that Moses is not defined by those decisions. We define Moses by the scope of his life, by those showdowns with Pharaoh and the parting of the Red Sea and, the Mount, and Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments and leadership. People are still writing leadership books about Moses. He is not defined by two bad decisions. He is not defined by two bad disappointments. The National Football League is 100 years old this year. and They're telling stories, reliving famous stories from those 100 years, one of the stories comes from 1964, it was October the 23rd, when the San Francisco 49ers were playing the Minnesota Vikings. The quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers was Billy Kilmer. One of the defensive linemen for the Minnesota Vikings was Jim Marshall. Billy Kilmer, the quarterback for the 49ers, fumbled the ball. Jim Marshall, a lineman, defensive lineman for the opposing team, the Minnesota Vikings, picked up the ball. And he began to, ran, to, to run. And, and he was, now he's, a, he's a big defensive lineman, so, you know, he's not a speedster. But, man, he was running for the goal line, which was 66 yards away when he picked the ball up. But Jim Marshall made it to the goal line and was so excited that he threw the football up in the stands to celebrate. What he didn't realize yet was he had gotten turned around in all the hubbub of the play. And he should, to make a touchdown, he should have been running this way. But he'd gotten turned around and he was running this way. I saw a documentary in which he said, I wondered why the 49ers fans were all cheering for me. So instead of scoring a touchdown for his team, he scored a safety, two points for uh, the other team, the longest safety in the history of the National Football League. 
But is he defined by that disappointment? No, he played 15 more years, 20 altogether. Is called NFL Iron Man, the NFL Iron Man, because he, he played 20 years and never missed a game. He was one of the purple people leaders they called the Minnesota Vikings line that were so good. All pro defensive linemen. He is judged by the scope of his career, not by one big disappointment. And you do not have to be defined by your disappointment either. I wish I could recreate the drama when I sat across the table from a young lady who had ended up in a median of her own making, a string of bad decisions. And I said to her, you can have a tragic story, or you can have a beautiful story. Your call. Your comeback can be epic. Your success story can be an inspiration. You do not have to be defined by your disappointment. Because God's grace, his unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unrelenting love is amazing. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, number 48.